Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 421. The mayor nodded graciously, then closed his eyes and seemed to lapse back into his tranquil sunlit nap. Our fledgling historian, Codicus said as he gestured me inside and offered me a seat. If you'll excuse me for a moment, I'll be right back. I sank into the padded chair and only then noticed the array of rings on the nearby table. Codicus had gone so far as to have a rack built for them. Each was displayed with the name facing outwards. There were a great many of them, silver, iron, and gold. Both my gold rings and Alvaron's iron one sat on a small tray on the table. I reclaimed them, taking note of this rather graceful way of wordlessly offering the return of a ring. I looked around the large tower room with muted curiosity. What possible motive could he have for poisoning the mare? Barring access to the university itself, this place was every arcanist's dream. Curious, I got to my feet and wandered to his bookshelves. Codicus had a respectable library, with nearly a hundred books crowding for space. I recognized many of the titles. Some were chemical references, some were alchemical, others dealt with the natural sciences, herbology, physiology, bestiology. The vast majority seemed to be historical in nature. A thought occurred to me. Perhaps I could get the native vintage superstition to work to my advantage. If Codicus was a serious scholar, and even half as superstitious as a native vint, he might know something about the Chandrian. Best of all, since I was playing the dim-witted lordling, I didn't need to worry about damaging my reputation. Codicus came around the corner and seemed somewhat taken aback when he saw me standing by the bookshelves. But he rallied quickly and gave me a polite smile. See anything you're interested in? I turned, shaking my head. Not particularly, I said. Do you know anything about the Chandrian? Codicus looked at me blankly for a moment, then burst out laughing. I know they're not going to come into your room at night and steal you out of your bed, he said, wiggling his finger at me the way you'd tease a child. You don't study mythology, then? I asked, fighting down a wave of disappointment at his reaction. I tried to console myself with the fact that this would firmly solidify me as a half-wit lordling in his mind. Codicus sniffed. That's hardly mythology, he said dismissively. One could barely even stoop to calling it folklore. It's superstitious bunk, and I don't waste my time with it. No serious scholar would. And that's the page. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Uh, Quoth's like pretty bold. It doesn't, it doesn't turn out badly, but for him to just be like, all right, right to the Chandrian, you know anything about them? Like... Well, it does kind of turn out badly for him because this is like him testing his theory that Codicus is as superstitious and kind of ignorant as a Vint would be. And like, there's not actually that much reason for him to think that he would be, right? Like, 
you know? So he, he gambles and it doesn't pay off for him. I mean, what is he gambling though? He's not gambling his reputation. You're right that the state that the stakes are low. But what are the stakes? Like nothing. Like what has he... what... You're right that he doesn't have anything to lose, but my point is that he's still like making an assumption and he's flat wrong. I find it entertaining that he is so bold and also that like everything works out fine despite that. Because often when he is bold, things go like a little bit awry. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is this is illustrating a consistent pattern of him assuming that he knows things about Codicus, about the mayor, about the situation in the court, and being completely wrong. His judgment of Codicus's character so far has been incorrect, which might feed into the larger question that we have of how much about what Quoth has guessed of Codicus and his intentions is correct or not. Because so far, nothing has been. Fair. Very reasonable. Or at least nothing can be provably shown to be true. Sure, Codicus does not know the difference between an alligator and a crocodile, but he also has a bookshelf full of serious works of history and, and science. And he does seem to know a fair bit about the, the history of the, the Lackless family, as we'll learn on the next page. Uh, so I think that we are still meant to be kept guessing just how legitimate an arcanist Codicus really is. Reasonable. I mean, we have, because we know that like other arcanists probably took up that space or did, we know that they for sure did take up that space prior to Codicus. Those books may not be his. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Much like the, the, the crocodile. Exactly. That might lead us to want to examine Codicus's reaction when he sees Quoth looking at the books. Because Quoth thinks that Codicus is taken aback because Cod he thinks that Codicus does not expect a dumbass lordling to be interested in science books, because why would he be? But Quoth's Codicus's reaction might mean, oh no, is this guy onto me? Does he know that I've never read a single one of those books that the last guy left here? Yes. Very possible. I like it. To the nature of mythology and folklore, the idea that the Chandrian would be like lesser than both of those things is sort of crazy to me because like I don't think a Gorgon's gonna pop out and hang out at the beach with me, but like I still consider it to be mythology. <laughs> I think the the distinction here is that even if you don't believe in Greek myths, you can still study them and learn useful things about the way Greek culture viewed the world. And you can find universal truths in those myths about the way we tell stories and the way like human beings conceive of the universe. Where and you can say the same thing about folklore. Whereas super like superstitions are just like silly things that people believe that aren't true. Like they're not that important or significant in and of themselves at all. And I think that that's meant to tell us, you know, it's meant to remind us that. As far as the rest of the world is concerned, the Chandrian are no more significant than the idea that alligators live in the sewers of New York City. Okay, I was going to ask you for an example, but that was a very good example. <laughs> or like the idea that rubbing a rabbit's foot will make will bring you luck. I think there's a folklore backing for that one, though. Like that one's old enough that there's like, there's an interesting story somewhere behind that. Whereas the alligators in New York City sewers is like, that's definitely just a superstition. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is also born of a real thing because people did 
people did like take alligators as pets when they were babies and then, you know, try to get rid of them when they got too big. But not in New York. Why not? Because it's the wrong climate. Yes, and we have tigers in the Toronto Zoo, and that's also the wrong climate. Fine. (laughs) Fine. Zoos are different than pets. (laughs) Yes, they are. But, you know, our our rules about what you could keep as a pet are pretty recent to, like, the 20th century. I have a friend whose grandfather had a pet jaguar. Whoa. Which was, like, not exactly illegal, but it also wasn't exactly illegal either. Was it decriminalized? <laughs> well, I think the situation was that he had spent some time in the jungles of South America and had take adopted the jaguar then and returned home to Canada with it. And they, I guess the Canadian authorities were not willing to separate him from this animal that he had for years already. But, like, they wouldn't let you get away with that now. This was, like, in the 40s. Yeah. Anyway. That's a crazy story. But also, like, I do feel bad for Quoth, the way that Codicus is just so dismissive of the idea you know, when he just, like, treats him like a little baby. Like, oh, they're, well, they're not going to come and get you out of your bed. It's like, oh, come on, man. Well, I mean, he already is trying to convince Codicus that he's, a like, a dumb lordling. So I, I also kind of don't necessarily... Like, I do blame Codicus because that's a rude way to treat anyone. But also... That's kind of what Quoth's going for is that sort of treatment in this particular case. I think that I think that Quoth says that to salve his wounded pride. Oh, I see. Right? You know, he says, I asked, fighting down a wave of disappointment at his reaction. I tried to console myself with the fact that this would firmly solidify me as a half-wit lordling. You know, so like he says, like, this isn't going to damage my reputation if I ask him this. But I think he's hoping that Codicus will at least treat him a little bit more seriously as a guy who's like studying history, he might go, Oh yes. Like stories of the Chandrian are, are, you know, obviously fictitious, but they do, they are like prominent in our culture. And Oh, here's this book about them. I have, you know, like that's what he's hoping for. Okay. You know? And I think he's, I think he's a little hurt and disappointed that Codicus, you know, like most people just thinks of them as like, you know, a complete fable. Reasonable. That's kind of all I've got on this page. I, too, am out of things. Well, then let's learn more things on tomorrow's page. Of the wind. wind.